All right, it's Thursday's podcast. We're going to get right to it. Great show today. We went over the revolution. We also said her name. Yes, we did. But more importantly, we gave the facts. All of that and so much more on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Brianna Taylor. Say I, I her name. Her My her gosh, name. the racism just continues. Now, is that an argument? Because mm-hmm. that's what I see substituted for an argument. Yeah, yeah. A, a bunch of names of people who had issues uh, mm-hmm. with police. Um, you know, whether some of them justified, some of yeah. them not. That, like the the entirety of the argument is like Say Brianna her name. Taylor, Trayvon Martin, uh, George Floyd, uh, Eric Garner, and it's like there's a whole range of, of, of <laughs> stories you're talking we about we need solutions some of them mm-hmm. justified some mm-hmm. of them not justified some of them so you're involving for, police so some you're of them for not no knock raids in no, the middle of the night no like, can we clear some of these things up i you're just for I, shooting innocent no. women in the back or or however in the middle of the night going in no, no knock no. raid can, just can shooting we, her can we that's what the, i'm hearing this still. is one of those situations where yeah. If you know what happened mm-hmm. in the story, yeah. it is impossible okay. to adopt the things <laughs> and viewpoints that Black Lives Matter From and a, every NBA player apparently have. From a it's guy impossible. who won't say her name. Okay, Breonna go ahead. Taylor. Go ahead. Tell, okay. us, tell us the story, Stu. Go First ahead. of all, there's a rumor that they went to the wrong house. Yeah. Uh, no, they didn't go to the wrong house. They uh-huh. went to the correct apartment, right. the one they were supposed to. It's on the, on the warrant. Yeah, they had but, a warrant how for that we, but how do we know that? Um, well, it's on the warrant, so I mean, they went to the right okay, address. So, uh, police uh, mm-hmm. doctored warrant. Got no, it. no, and we also know there's this big thing about well, well, there's a no knock warrant. Exactly right. Now there was a no knock warrant issued in the case. Mm-hmm. However, they didn't utilize it. Uh, okay, so that's a big problem. We know for a fact with 100 percent certainty that they did knock. Really, we, we know that because police said they knocked. Yes, yes, and. Also, Kenneth Walker, the guy, Kenneth Brianna Taylor's uh, boyfriend, Walker, boyfriend. Uh, that he also said he heard the banging and oh. a separate neighbor who came uh. out to say, what the heck's going on? There's a lot of loud banging on going on in this door out there. Uh, and then the police said, get, get back in your apartment. So we know with 100 percent certainty, we only know from the guy who fired on police mm-hmm. uh, and the neighbor. That's the only those are the only witnesses and that we the have. police and three police officers. OK, okay. well, you know, you got to throw out the police officers. They're all corrupt. Okay, OK, OK. All right. But they all agree on this. So that's a big that's a well, big. they're probably mm-hmm. lying. But the the guy who shot was inside. He wasn't lying. And the neighbor I trust, <laughs> but right. I don't trust the police. Now, Got it. if you've just seen this uh, on sports broadcasts mm-hmm. or from dumb politicians, I like to get all my news from both of those sources. Oh, no kidding. So and MSNBC, because, which I think is the combination of the two. Yes, that yeah, is actually right, pretty ahead. much the combination. You. Uh, you might not know that Brianna Taylor, mm-hmm. you in the past, before this incident, had mm-hmm. dated a guy, Jamarcus, uh, Jamarcus Whatever. Glover who was a known drug dealer mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. uh and so he the reason they got the warrant was for jamarcus glover who was at a different place and they brianna taylor's apartment they wanted to search they did not accuse brianna taylor of a crime they were just the accusation or the belief was that 
they used to date. They had seemingly broken up, but they were still kind of in contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had come over to her house a couple times, maybe to pick up a package. They believed that maybe he was getting drugs or money sent to her house and using it sort of as a safe house because she didn't have a, a criminal history. There was no yeah, reason no, she did anything wrong. There's nothing that she did wrong. And they are they didn't accuse her of doing anything yeah. wrong. In fact, the belief could have been that she was maybe abused. Right. And yeah. and she's just hiding stuff at her house because the drug dealer boyfriend, yeah, ex-boyfriend, like, is beating her up and is abusive. She doesn't want to piss off her ex-drug or her ex-boyfriend who's a drug dealer. Got which it. is it would be a, a sensible motivation, sure. but the, the police's motive What the, are you going to do? The police motivation there is to go in and see what is in the house. Right. Do, is he hiding drugs? Is he hiding money? What's going on? So that's why they have the warrant. They go to the house in the middle of the night and we can talk about why that this this part of this is is a problem but separate from what happened yesterday because if you didn't miss if you missed the news yesterday there were there was an indictment in this case they announced the results of a grand jury mm-hmm. uh, uh yesterday and that's what led to the violence last night two police officers were shot among other things mm-hmm. so they go to the house police start knocking on the door we know they knocked on the door they they identify themselves as police now there's a the neighbor confirms this that they they identified themselves as police trying to come into the door um jamar uh, excuse me um uh kenneth walker the boyfriend the current boyfriend of mm-hmm. brianna taylor the and good guy no charge no against nothing nothing history. wrong with him nothing yeah clean uh, they're in bed it's three in the morning or whatever mm-hmm. they're in bed mm-hmm. uh, they hear the banging they both wake up right they they stumble out of their bedroom down and the, down the hall they're looking at the front door he realizes that she's got a boyfriend who would be pissed off that he was there and also is a drug dealer and with a known criminal history. Right. And if mm-hmm. if indeed she was in an abusive relationship or just afraid of him. Yeah. He was he was there. He would have a gun. He's going to mm-hmm. shoot because he has a right to defend himself yes. in his own home. And he's a legal gun owner. Right. And this is an important part of this, a right. legal gun owner. So he obviously, as I would, by the way, went to go get his gun because he doesn't, if he doesn't know it's police, even he's if freaking he does, out. even if he does know it's police, um, you, you would still be afraid that maybe that's the drug dealer just, just saying yelling that. police. You right. don't know. So he's, he believes it's uh, Jamarcus Glover breaking in to mm-hmm. abuse Brianna Taylor. To, so he tries to defend himself. And her. So after whatever uh, distance of time, uh, they decide, okay, no one's coming to this door. We're breaking the door down. The police knock the door in. As they knock the door in, he believes a drug dealer is coming in to uh, to kill them mm-hmm. or abuse them in some mm-hmm. way. He does what I think is a completely defensible thing in the circumstances, which is shoot at the person breaking into his house at three in the morning. Right. Right. I, I have to tell you, if somebody broke into my house at three o'clock in the morning and it was police... I'm not sure I would believe it because if I were innocent, if I mm-hmm. neither of these people had anything, they have no criminal record. They have nothing. Right. So that would be me. That would be you. If somebody breaks in at three o'clock in the morning and they tear down my door and I'm afraid of somebody else, I know somebody else mm-hmm. is coming You know, totally. for me. I absolutely take a gun and I shoot. Now, no. you, you shouldn't shoot without knowing but that's what happens, and that is why we have a castle doctrine. You have a right to defend yourself in your own home, mm-hmm. especially at 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. 
And so so he, it was to, now it doesn't mean it worked out perfectly, but right. it was a totally understandable response from Kenneth Walker's position in that moment. Correct. Right? He thinks he's being attacked. Someone breaks his door down. He fires one shot. And this is something that is like, I would say 99% of people who talk about Breonna Taylor don't know. But this is agreed upon not only by the police, but also Kenneth Walker, the boyfriend of Breonna Taylor. He fired first and actually hit the officer. Right. So think about what just happened now from the officer's perspective. They are trying to break down a door, which they assume, uh, they believe, is a uh, potentially has uh, drugs and stuff inside, which you know, you'd think people were going to hide it or whatever. <laughs> when they break the door down, they get shot by someone. The one officer, Officer Mattingly, looks down the hall. He sees uh, two people at the end of the hall. Can't really make them out. The only thing he can make out is a gun, and he sees a flash of the gun and then feels the heat on his thigh. He gets shot in the thigh. He backs up. What the hell do you think a cop is going to do in that situation? No, He's no. just been stop, shot. Stop, stop, stop. What do you, what do you think anyone, anyone who is carrying a gun legally is going to do? Mm-hmm. If someone shoots you mm-hmm. and you have a gun, mm-hmm. you shoot back. Right. That's any human being. Any human being. Any human this. being. So, and, and that, think about this for a second. How this is shown as a, supposedly some big example of racism by police it is not even clear they could make out the race of of who was shooting at them but again the whoever it was no matter what race it was actually shot a cop i think it's defensible from his position why it happened as we just laid out but when you shoot a cop what the hell do you think is going to happen so stop 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 because that i think is going to be misheard here's what here's what we uh, no 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 yeah, go ahead. So here's what I think we should, uh, th- what, what needs to be said. Let's look at this from two points of view. One, he was justified. He was charged with a crime. The shooter was charged with a crime, and then it was dropped. Mm-hmm. That's normal. Yep, very okay? People think if, that that's a big sign of racism, too. No, no that's very it's not. normal. If, if I shoot somebody in my house, if you shoot somebody in your house, Plan on spending a year in in court in hell, mm-hmm. okay? Because they're going to investigate all of it, okay? Now, they have witnesses because there were cops that were there. So they could witness and say, yep, that's exactly what happened. This was a justified shooting on his part. On the boyfriend's on part. On the boyfriend's part. Absolutely justified. These cops are not the cops that are doing the investigation. These are nope. there just serving the warrant and searching the house. They don't know. They don't know all the details. They're not. They don't have an axe to grind. They were just the guys assigned this job. Mm-hmm. Now, period. Separate issue. Cops come in. They knock. Look at it only from their point of view. The cops, they knock, they identify themselves. They are going into a place that they have been told could be hostile because it could have a drug dealer inside. And whether he's violent or not, I don't know. But they suspect that maybe if he's there, they knock, they identify, they knock, they identify. Then they took the door down. The minute that door is open, somebody in the dark shoots at them. Looking at it from their side, their shooting back is 100% as justified as the person on the other side of the door. Yep. This is, at this point, what happened in there 
was not anything that you can change. There's no reform that will change that because you have two people seeing something from the op- both innocent, both acting rationally and legally mm-hmm. on both sides. Yep. You have both of them reacting appropriately. And if you add it was just a, one little uh, flavor here to add is they thought Brianna Taylor was alone. So they go into a place where they believe it's only Brianna Taylor. Now there's two people in there and the other person is shooting at them. Now, if you can't take this in the context of the investigation, there's they're trying to break up a drug ring here. They've already arrested Jamarcus Glover, the drug dealer. What's their assumption? Probably in that moment that and I don't know if there's enough time to really noodle this all out, but that he is probably working with jamarcus glover there to now that they know he's already arrested they're there trying to get rid of the whatever is in the apartment Mm -hmm. now they're that that's not what happened but the bottom line is he shot a cop and cops when they get shot are going to shoot back at the person who shot them this is not this is not brain surgery here this is very obvious Uh, and i don't even think you need to say he shot a cop because shooting a cop is one thing but when you're in fending for your life and you don't know it's a cop shooting anyone with a gun who is legally holding a who's illegally holding a gun is going to shoot back yes he's justified we uh, is a separate point from the police perspective he they just went into a house with a warrant and got shot so now they all fire they fire back there's another cop who gets charged with a lesser crime. We can talk about that later. But the bottom line is she gets hit. He doesn't. And uh, and she passes away. This is not a case of racism. It's a good case if you want to talk about the libertarian critique of police over, you know, using... And not even a no-knock. Yeah, it wasn't not even a no-knock. No-knock. It's just, you, you know... Three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning. There's no... To me, there's absolutely no reason to, to execute this warrant in this way, which is another part of the investigation that's not complete. So we have no idea whether we'll find things that led to the warrant okay, so wrongly me, being served. So so everything that we know, the, the warrant has nothing to do with the cops. And the warrant, if that was if that was fudged at all, that means the the district attorney should be in trouble. But the warrant is exactly the same thing we've been saying about Donald Trump's impeachment. The warrant system in this country is bad. It's bad. That is reform all of us can get on the bandwagon with. Mm -hmm. Anyone who really knows cooking understands that the tools you use are almost as important as the knowledge of what you're doing. Over the past few months, it has become more and more apparent to me that this is absolutely the case when it comes to grilling because I am not an outdoor chef. Uh, Although I recently feel like one. Every time I take a bite out of something that I prepared on my Rectac, there is something to the marriage of the sturdiness of the great design to the perfection of the smart grill technology that when you're standing over a Rectac, looking at what you've cooked, you're presiding over a work of culinary art. And the best thing about it, for people like me anyway, is that you yourself don't have to be good at cooking to be great with Rectech. It's high-end equipment without the high-end price. It's the last grill you're ever going to want to own. Follow Rectech on all of their social media and sign up for their newsletter. Visit Rectech.com. That's R-E-C-T-E-Q.com. listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program.
years ago, tens of thousands of Russians took to the streets in what was known as the Snow Revolution. You feel the election was stolen? Yes, sure. Look it up. And Wikipedia will tell you the cause of the unrest was claims by Russian foreign journalists, political activists, and members of the public that the election process was flawed. The California law is that you will count ballots that arrive as late as uh, 17 days or so after election day? Exactly. Hmm. But it's not just in Russia. These color revolutions occurred all over Eastern Europe. No, no, not just Europe. They occurred all over the world. The Arab Spring in Egypt that swept the Middle East was just a spontaneous protest spurred on by social media, right? We came, we saw, (laughs) he died. Wrong. The protest in Benghazi, Libya erupted after anger grew on the streets due to a YouTube video, right? Wrong. And it's taken time, but the colors of these revolutions are clearing, and we can see everything now. We see the people involved in each one, and the strategies implemented to manipulate the people. But most importantly, we recognize the steps, and we can see that these revolutions have moved far from Independent Square in Kiev to here, now. Joe Biden, the challenger, continuing to lead. Tonight, Civil War. The left's revolution playbook exposed. That was from last night's Wednesday night special. Uh, They are using the exact same playbook uh, to bring this election into a color revolution. And we showed you the first three steps. And it was it's really important. The color revolution uh, specialists include Michael McFoll. He was the U.S. ambassador to Russia under uh, under uh, President Obama, and he wrote an academic paper in 2005 about the seven pillars a country needs to have in place for successful color revolution. I showed these last night on the chalkboard. Color revolution. Now, this is important. This is not a Banana Republic style coup. A coup is when the military takes over. This is a revolution. This is when the people rise up. And it's a strategy that the U.S. has used for regime change in foreign nations with just a few components. You have to question the legitimacy of an election. That is the key. That's why we showed in Russia the Snow Revolution. The guy who wrote the seven steps of uh, the seven pillars of color revolution He was the ambassador of Russia when this went down. Putin said to him when they first met, I know why you're here. Meaning, I know you are fomenting a revolution against me. Putin uh, stopped that revolution. Now, we can judge that as good or bad. It doesn't matter. The color revolution pillars just are. So if you want to say the guy who wrote the book, he might be very patriotic. He may be like, hey, this is this is fantastic. Uh, We can overturn nations and we have an easy way to do it. And they've done it over and over and over again. They've used these steps. This is what happened in the Middle East. Do you remember when we talked about the Arab Spring? And I said, this is coordinated. This is not a spontaneous uprising. 
you watch for those words spontaneous uprising this is just a spontaneous uprising this guy in tunisia it was just a spontaneous uprising the benghazi libya that overthrow and and Gaddafi being dragged in the streets that was just a spontaneous uprising isis the rise of the radicals in syria that was just a spontaneous uprising in ukraine where they got rid of the uh, the uh, the russian oligarch and put in an american style oligarch uh, that was just a spontaneous uprising all of them are spontaneous uprisings. But as we have shown on our Wednesday night specials during the impeachment trial, we showed you what was really going on in Ukraine. And yes, it had a lot to do with Joe Biden and his family getting rich off of it. But that's not the, that's not what they were concerned about. They throw Joe Biden under the bus in a heartbeat. It wasn't about that. Even the Joe Biden stuff is almost a red herring. yes. When you know what happened in Ukraine, he is possibly, I don't, I, well, I'll leave it as possibly because you can make an argue, argument against it. He is the most corrupt vice president in our history. And that's saying something. We've had really bad corrupt vice presidents. But that's not the story in Ukraine. That's not what they were trying to cover up with impeachment. It's the color revolution and how this has now become part of civil society 2.0. What is civil society 2.0? That's a George Soros uh, uh, system, if you will. We want an open society. We want civil society. Civil society. That is civil society. It's like civil society, Inc. Okay? It's a way... To control people and control. Once you have a civil society, you don't control it anymore. And part of that civil society is to go in and undermine the justice system. You go in and you take over the attorney general's office. You take over the district attorney's office. This is what they've done in country after country after country. And George Soros has been funneling money in all of the races to get his hand-picked people in at the attorney general's uh, office or at your district attorneys. He's got district attorneys everywhere. Now, I'm not saying that he's calling him and saying, this is what you do. He just looked for people that he could support that support opening up prisons Letting people go, not going after Marxist revolutionaries. The people that are causing the real problems as district attorneys in states. Most likely, check it out. Their campaigns were funded by George Soros because it's part of civil society 2.0. Soros does not like he is a corrupt capitalist. He, he just wants to make money and power. There are people that believe in something. George Soros isn't one of them. George Soros is a guy who believes in himself, his own intellect, his own power, and his wealth. That's what he believes in. He's not going to be on the losing. He's not doing this in like our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And if I lose all my money, I don't care. He does care. 
And this is set up as a system, as we saw in Ukraine, for him to be able to have the cover with all of his organizations to do what he wants and to be able to control enough levers in the justice system to say, prosecute this guy. Don't prosecute this guy. That's what was happening in Ukraine. This, by the way, is why George Soros is kicked out of country after country after country. He's not welcome in the former Soviet Union in Russia. Why? Snow revolution, color revolution. That's why. Now, there are seven pillars that a country needs to have in play, and we have all of them in play right now. And they explain absolutely everything that you're seeing in the news. Last night, I did a new chalkboard on it. And it's to understand what's going on. I've made it really, really simple. This is bottom up, top down, inside out. You are now seeing the orchestrated uh, bottom up movement. You are seeing and feeling the orchestrated Antifa, Black Lives Matter. Those things were started by Soros and his cronies. They were the real funding. He doesn't need to control them. He just needs to fund them. And he's not alone. There are a lot of people that are just greedy, want power, want to be as one of George Soros's people said to us in a threat at a uh, private lunch, you tell your boss, the ship has already sailed, and you're either on the ship or you're not. The person who was at that table responding for me said, I don't need to ask Glenn uh, if he wants to be on the ship. The answer will be, he's not on the ship. He doesn't ever want to be on the ship. Uh, that's what's happening. People and companies are seeing that a great reset is coming. There's a new world order coming. And you're either on the ship or you're not on the ship. Well, I'm not for a new world order. I'm not for a great reset that resets capitalism in the way that the progressives, the Marxists, the radicals, would be closer to their heart's desire. I shouldn't say Marxist because those people who actually believe in Marxism are going to be very surprised at what the world looks like because it's not going to be Marxist. Oh, it'll be totalitarian, but it's not going to be Marxist. It's not going to. It might, it might smell like uh, Chinese communism, but if you think that's the, the fair way of running a country... Well, then you, 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 I don't know what you're fighting for, but that's what the people at the top are fighting for a more fair and equitable system that provides the people at the top with even more control because they know better. And look at how successful the Chinese are with their system. If we only had a system more like that, what you're seeing right now is, I believe, a desperate Hail Mary pass that started the minute Trump won the election. They did not expect him to win the election. They expected Hillary Clinton to be in office. 
And Hillary Clinton was one of the originators of the Civil Society 2.0. It was her State Department that was in Ukraine, her and John Kerry. She was all for this. And they had all of the pieces. They just needed somebody who would go along with it in the Oval Office. And let me remind you what George Bush told me in the Oval Office. Glenn, don't worry about things. I'm telling you it doesn't matter who's elected. Whoever is elected will be advised by the same people and they will realize the president's hands are tied. I told you that I think the day after I met with the president and it scared the hell out of me. Then why do we have elections? That is a recognition of the deep state. It doesn't matter what the president wants to do. We're on course and there's no turning this ship. Well, Donald Trump doesn't believe that. He he. He is arrogant enough in a good way to say, I'm the president. And what I say to my administration goes, these people hired me to do this, and I'm going to do it in my administration and constitutionally. This is why everybody lies to you. Oh, I'm going to do this. Then they get in and they realize it's not that it's just they're corrupted. They realize there's the... I'm not going to change anything. The system, the ship has already sailed. The system is what it is. It's too deep. And when you have that, you have the choice. Do you become part of it and enrich yourself and protect your family and your future? Or do you go out in a ball of flame? This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. editor of the city journal uh he is also the director of the center on wealth and poverty he is a guy who is is really getting to the bottom of what is happening internally in places like seattle but also in washington he was the guy who exposed the cdc for going ahead and and uh and disobeying a direct order from the president to cancel their uh their critical race theory classes he also uncovered three other uh, uh, sections of the government that are also still doing it. Is if I'm not mistaken, Christopher, have you heard an update? Are they still holding those, or have they those been canceled? They've been canceled, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Russ Vaught, who is the director of OMB, uh, has been really on a seek and destroy mission for these critical race theory programs. And uh, within 24 hours of me reporting on these three agencies, which were EPA, State Department. Uh, and Veterans Administration, uh, his team uh, shut them down, and they, uh, even with some resistance, I'm told, uh, but they were able to get these things canceled. So here's the thing, because I've, I've talked to Russ, and he is, he is great. He's, he's doing uh, yeoman's work here. But um, if the president doesn't fire people, if we don't fire these people, they're not going to learn anything. There, there's no, it's going to teach that you can get away with anything until somebody like you comes along and exposes it. Yeah, that's right. I, I think it's, it's very difficult. As you know, the civil service laws uh, are heavily favored towards kind of status quo, inertia, and bureaucracy. Uh, it's difficult to fire folks. But the executive order that came out uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday, rather, 
um, was quite striking because they built in some new enforcement mechanisms. Uh, all diversity and inclusion uh, training programs throughout the federal government have to pass through the OMB and the OPM for uh, centralized approval. And then they're also instructing agency heads for managers who refuse to comply and continue to do uh, critical race theory training programs. Uh, they're instructed to begin adverse action proceedings, uh, which is the first step into actually getting people fired or demoted or, or punished. And I, I think that they know this and they're working kind of every lever that they can uh, in order to build in some enforcement and build in some accountability. You know, it's really amazing that you can have a president say, this is, this is a poison that is killing our country uh, and no one is to do this. And you actually have civil servants who will take it upon themselves to not only continue it, but they will act in direct defiance because they believe that it's good, I guess. And uh, they will help poison the nation and we can't fire them. I mean, it's that would never happen in the regular world. You you go against the CEO says, hey, I don't want anyone, anyone making this product because it's poison and we're, you know, Tylenol. <laughs> Don't. We don't make that. And then somebody just going ahead and making it anyway, that person would be fired and never work again. Yeah, and, and that's, that's exactly the problem, because what we have now, and this is something that uh, scholars at the Claremont Institute and elsewhere have long warned about, uh, we have essentially a fourth branch of government, uh, this permanent bureaucracy. And uh, they're operating with the attitude uh, that unfortunately is true, where they're saying, well, the administration changes every four or eight years. Uh, but whatever happens, we're going to be here and we're going to operate on our own ideology, our own rules. And, and, and frankly, they're kind of operating outside of the Constitution mm -hmm. uh, and saying it very clearly, uh, even when they got called out through my reporting, even when they got called out directly by Russ Vaught in the Office of Management and Budget, uh, my sources tell me that they were still defiant uh, and the administration had to kind of use uh, uh, some, some threats on, on the funding level. Um, in order to That's get compliance. So we have an out-of-control bureaucracy that has been radicalized politically, uh, and they're operating with no sense of consequences uh, and even a sense of disdain uh, for the politically elected leader of the executive branch. I, I th There's something my gut tells me, and we're investigating so many other things that I haven't had time. Maybe, a, maybe if you're just one of those people that are just like worms and you just really like to just dig in and find stuff, Somebody should do an investigation on CDC because there's something wrong there. I don't know what it is, but the way they're, they are so defiant, there's something happening there that I just don't I, – I, I, I needs, needs to be cleaned out. I don't know what it is, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, Chris, well, I'll, I'll, go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I had. You know, my, my source uh, within the CDC who had sent me the whistleblower documents, um, uh, you know, this person told me that – um, the culture in CDC has been ideologically radicalized. Um, they're pushing some of the most toxic elements of critical race theory. And when these programs were canceled uh, after Russvot shut them down, uh, this source described the atmosphere in the CDC as of like a funeral uh, because they were so disappointed that they couldn't be doing this uh, critical race theory programming. That's frightening. Um, all right, Christopher, I want to talk to you a little bit about C Seattle. The Seattle City Council overrode the mayor's veto to defund the police. So 
the mayor even the mayor's crazy. The mayor has even said, no, 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 we're not going to we're not going to cut that deeply. And the Seattle City Council overrode the veto. What does this mean for police and for Seattle? A couple things. You know, I think it's actually a, a bit of a misconception nationally about the mayor of Seattle, uh, Jenny Durkin. She is actually a, a quite moderate Democrat. Uh, she is obviously you know, on the left, but she's on the sensible left. Uh, she's a former U.S. attorney. She understands how the system works. She's really the only person that's defending the police department. Um, but she's really being kind of ripped apart by the city council, which is kind of socialist and, and, uh, and uh, democratic socialist in nature. And they're moving forward with these plans. We're going to have 100, less office, 100 fewer officers on the street. Um, and, you know, officers within SPD tell me that uh, the officers who are still remaining are bailing left and right uh, because they see the writing on the wall. The activists are not going to stop at cutting 100 officers. Uh, they're really going to try in the next budget season, which is coming up shortly, uh, to defund the police by 50 percent. You have a majority of city council members that have pledged for a full 50 percent cut. Uh, so the youngest officers, the best officers, the officers that still have some career left in them are, are seeking lateral transfers to other departments uh, because they know that being a police officer in the city of Seattle uh, is now a kind of risk to your career. It's a risk to your Life. Uh, safety. And frankly, and frankly, what's going to happen is they're saying you're going to have a police office, a police force that is only responding uh, to the most serious calls. Uh, and your response times might double, triple, quadruple. How do you uh, where d- you may have a violent crime and it could take half an hour for police to arrive? How do they logically think that this is going to keep people safe and and keep the street safe, the police safe? How, how are they expecting this to work? Are they that really that stupid or do they not care? You know, I think they're really possessed uh, by this story that the police is a, you know, the city council, uh, some, of, some, of the, some of the legislation that they were considering explicitly says the Seattle Police Department is a white supremacist institution. They go to, around kind of hunting people of color. I mean, the most kind of, uh, kind of horrific narratives have possessed a kind of activist class within the city. Uh, and, and they are moving forward on really no logical basis. They're moving forward uh, on a kind of kind of millenarian basis where they're saying, if we uh, destroy the institutions of, of the police, which is kind of the last vestige of conservatism within the city institutions, it's the only thing that's standing between us and utopia. Their idea is through this great destruction of the police department, uh, some kind of natural beauty and natural utopia will emerge. Uh, it's, it's, it's deeply naive, and unfortunately, uh, it's going to cause the most chaos and destruction uh, in Seattle's poorest neighborhoods. Please, Stu, Stu and I read this like three times, and we're like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe this is good. <laughs> maybe this is good. Seattle has just hired uh, an ex-pimp to help them figure out how to police the streets now how long has he not been a pimp and he's a community organizer i i take it and that's i think i might rather have the pimp can you tell me that story (laughs) yeah you know i've actually uh, his name's andre taylor i've actually met with andre taylor i've interviewed him um he is a very charismatic person and he is kind of 
the mayor and some other members of the council are looking for any allies they have that can kind of play the role of activist, uh, community leader. You know, he's, uh, uh, you know, from the kind of heart of the African-American community in Seattle. And they're essentially desperate to, to, to buy off elements uh, of, of the community. And they're, they're cutting checks furiously. And the mayor has, has, has said what they want to do, and the council uh, backs her up, is spend up to $100 million supporting community organizations uh, for, you know, communities of color, quote unquote. Um, so they're kind of playing this game oh where uh, they feel like they can essentially buy support. Uh, and if they inject enough cash uh, into the activist networks, uh, that they'll stop uh, with the kind of agitation and disruption. But uh -huh. I think it's a strategic blunder because all that will do is it will kind of create a stronger and more permanent uh, kind of activist class that has full-time employees, full-time agitators. And, you know, when someone tries to extort money from you and you cut them a check, uh, they're just going to try to extort more. Well, you also create, you also create the new Al Sharpton that is just a business. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think that's exactly right. And, you know, uh, when I met uh, this gentleman, Andre Taylor, uh, uh, you know, for an interview, he, he rolled up in a, in a, in a brand new uh, Porsche with yellow rims. Oh uh, he God. had a security, a security guard wearing a suit uh, that was kind of, you know, oh being his kind of advance man. And it, it felt very much like out of a, a Tom Wolfe novel. Uh, it felt very much oh. like this is almost a, a kind of cartoon character who is now being, you know, funded with a six figure paycheck by the city. Um, but really has kind of no training, uh, no kind of a, kind of official capacity. Uh, and, and it's not really clear um, that he has the ability to do anything positive for the city uh, moving forward. Because Christopher, there are cases like this and some of the most effective people that would talk out about a, a, a bad thing that happening in the community are people who lived it and are reformed. Those are, can be inspiring voices at times. Right. Do you see this particular ex pimp <laughs> as one of those people? You know, and, 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 and that's a great question. And in fairness, in some ways, yes. I mean, w one thing that Andre Taylor has done to his credit is that um, he's actually spoke out against the Chaz Chop. Right. And uh, he actually mm. went to the Chaz Chop and he said, look, if you care about uh, the black community, um, doing this experiment and kind of white anarchism is not going to help us. Um, so mm. you guys should get out of here before someone gets killed. Uh, and he was actually thrown out of the Chaz Chop uh, because he was essentially giving that speech. So uh, it, it, it's a kind of mystery, honestly. Even I spent a, an hour with him. Uh, it, it really is a mystery. I think he has some actually good ideas. He's, he has some uh, ability to kind of rein in the worst of the kind of activists. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like uh, your, your left hand fighting your right hand. I don't know if anyone wins. Uh, as always, thank you very much for <clears throat> watching this stuff so closely <clears throat> and being brave enough to uh, report on it. Christopher Rufo, contributing editor of the uh, City Journal. We'll talk again, Chris. Thanks. Na, 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 na.